to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Last week, I believe we had such a powerful word that was given about how we can uproot bitterness in our lives and how we can have forgiveness. How many believe that your world has been different this week just because of things you released and let go last week? You know, today we're going to be talking about fear. We're going to be talking about fear, another crippling effect that it can have upon our lives and our emotions, how we can be bound by fear and how God wants us to live clean how God wants us to live free, how God wants us to live blessed. But so many of us are bound by fear. And I want to pray over you today. Can we just do that as we get ready to go into this message? In the name of Jesus right now, I come against every spirit of fear in this place. God, I declare your word that says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I speak the word of God that says perfect love casteth out all fear. And God, I pray, God, for those things that would so easily ensnare us and grip us. And God, hold us back from the freedom and the liberty, God, that you want us to live in, that you died that we could live in. God, I pray right now for freedom, freedom of minds, freedom of hearts, freedom of emotions, God, just freedom in people's lives. And we'll call it done in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, shout amen with me. Amen. Amen. That means so be it in my life. Come on, so be it. You shouted amen over your life that you want to be free. So today we're going to continue our series called Living Clean in a Dirty World. And the title of our message today is What If? What If? During the season, I believe we've uncovered harsh realities about ourselves. You know, things that we have to realize that are going on inside of us and that are requiring action on our behalf. We can keep living with those things, but I believe now they've been identified and we know God doesn't want us to live that way. We would be silly to choose to still live that way. We looked at blind spots. How we can have things so close to us that we don't see them. So perhaps those blind spots you don't see, or maybe you see them perfectly well, but you've just got really good at justifying them and excusing them away. Whether you see them or whether you don't see them, the reality is this, they're there. They're present. And what are you going to do with them? And we've got to watch that they will pollute our lives with toxins and destroy us. We thought about or looked at wrong thoughts. How we can have the wrong thoughts and how we can take control of our mind. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us so. That we can bring our thoughts into subjection. That we can bring them to the obedience of Christ. The victory on the cross. That there's freedom in our lives. That as we surrender them to God, there's freedom. But we've got to watch those thoughts because in the same way we can captivate them, our thoughts can easily captivate us. And captivation is another way of saying being put in a prison. Restriction 
in your life. God didn't die that you would live restricted. So what do we do when those thoughts come? We just stop and say, hold on a second. Is that a truth or is that a lie? And when we, ext- when we discover which one it is, if it's a lie, we throw it out. If it's a truth, we build our lives upon it. But we remind ourselves also of what God's word says. Come on, we remind ourselves. We don't shape our life by good thoughts, but we shape our lives by God thoughts. Remember we talked about that? And what do we do? Philippians 4 verse 8 tells us, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there's a good report, if there's virtue, if there's things, what does the Bible say? They are the things that we should meditate on. That's what we need to build our lives upon, the truth of God's word. We then looked at lethal words. The power we have in our mouth. In fact, Proverbs 18.21, it's not on the screen, but it says there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And the problem with the thought of that is this, we'll eat the fruit. So if we're speaking death words, we're going to eat the fruit of death. If we're speaking life, we're going to eat life. Do you realize we create the world that we live in by the words that we say? Powerful thought. Powerful thought. And you and I have got to realize God's plan for our lives. And if we don't watch, we can undermine the plan of God for our lives by the words, the polluted words that we speak. Come on, what we speak, what others speak over our lives, we've got to watch. Is it the truth? Is it the lie? Is it what God says? Then last week we looked at bitterness, how we need to uproot the root of bitterness with the shovel of forgiveness. Not doing what they deserve, but doing what I have received. Let me say that again. Not given to someone what they deserve, but given in the same way that I have received. What do I mean by that? Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as what? God in Christ forgave you. So in the same way that we are forgiven, the Bible now requires that we are To forgive other people. Come on, these are powerful truths that we've uncovered. And only a fool would say today, I don't deal with any of that stuff. Why? Because we all do. We all do. And in all of those areas that we've talked about today, the blind spots, the wrong thoughts, the wrong lethal words, unforgiveness and bitterness, I believe there's another vein that runs through, that flows through each one of those in one form or the other, and that is fear. Say with me, fear. Fear. And that's what we're going to look at today. Fear, or the what-ifs of life. A scare pollution that wants to infiltrate in every one of our lives. Listen to this quote. I read this quote this week from John Wesley, an incredible man that covered the countryside of England riding on a horse and, and brought up the Methodist religion. Well, not really the Methodist religion. It was just a type of church back then and denomination and a phenomenal man that just preached the truth of God's word. And John Wesley says these words. He says, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Because when I fear, feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I close my eyes and thank God that He is still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in His control over all the affairs of my life. What incredible thought. That there's not 15 minutes that goes by without me saying, hold on a second, 
And I remind myself what? I begin to thank God and I begin to remind myself that He's still on the throne, that He's still ruling and He's still, still reigning. Maybe there's something that we need to grasp from that. Because how many of us are totally consumed and bound by fear? Every moment, perhaps, of every day. Look at this scripture, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. And I know most of you know this scripture, but the sad reality is we know it, but we haven't lived it. We don't apply it. It's not become a part of us. The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound Mind. I want you to read that with me today. Can you do that today? Let's read that together. You ready? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if it's not given to us by God, what is the source of our fear? Fear comes from our enemy. The Bible says he's our adversary. He's the one who's opposed to us. He's the one that you and I have got to realize he's not a good friend. He's not just a man in a red pajama suit. His goal and his purpose is to take you down, is to knock you out, to destroy your life. And one of the tactics he uses is the tactic of fear. To paralyze you, to cripple you into seeing the blessings and the life that God has for you. Remember what it was as a child to be bound by fear. Remember the fears that you had as a child? Maybe you were afraid of the dark. How many were afraid of the dark when you were a child? Come on, put those hands up. How many hated thunderstorms? Come on, thunderstorms wasn't the bad thing for me. The lightning was the bad thing for me because things moved when it was lightning. You know, all of a sudden you saw this in your room and then it just seemed like it was over here when a flash and you're like, oh! I used to hate thunder and lightning, especially the lightning more than the thunder. Hated that. What about spiders? Anyone hate spiders when you're a kid? Anyone still hate spiders? And you know what? Megan hates roaches. If you ever come around the church, Jimmy hates roaches. Anyone else hate roaches? We've got a roach crew in the house. Sometimes you'll come around the church, Megan works here at the church some days, and Nancy can tell you this, sometimes you'll come down the hall and there's just a random cup in the middle of the hall, or just a random shoe that's stuck in the thing. And you know what it is, Megan's been out and she's found a roach and she's just left it there for one of us to come and take care of. Come on, but we're afraid that maybe it's snakes. We grew up in England. We didn't have snakes. How many knows that's really good? We didn't have roaches in England either. I mean, really, really. How many's moving to England? There you go. Let's go. No snakes and roaches has to be God's country. huh? But you know what's amazing, isn't it? All those fears that we had, most of us have grown out of most of those fears, hopefully. But you know, the fears that we've grown out of, we've now replaced with others of greater magnitude and effect upon our lives. They tell us that when you are born as a baby, you possess two fears in life. The first fear is this, the fear of falling. And the second fear is this, the fear of loud noises. That is the only two fears they say that human beings are born with. So that means that all the other fears that we now have in our lives are fears that we have learnt that we have accumulated through our experiences in life. Fears that if we don't watch are going to weigh us down 
from running the race in life. How many would be honest today and say that there's times in your life that you're bound by fear? Come on, put your hand up in this place. Some of you are afraid to put your hand up, I know. But fear is a real thing that wants to face us. As adults, fear can be, most of the time, put into four categories. The first category of most of our fear is the fear of loss. It's perhaps the first one, the fear of loss. When it comes to life, the losing of our life, the fear of losing our children, the fear of losing our finances, the fear of losing our health, come on, the fear of losing our spouse, just the fear of loss that we live in. I wonder what you're afraid of losing right now. The second type of fear is the fear of failure. What if I can't make it? What if I'm not successful in what I do? And you know what? Many people are not successful because they don't even try. Because they allow their fear to hinder them from stepping out into that new business venture. They allow their fear to hinder them from stepping out into what God really has for their life. What are you afraid of failing at today? What about this one? This is a real one. Number three, the fear of rejection. That's a major one, especially for those who have already been hurt in their life and and, and just are carrying some of those wounds that hopefully last week you were able to release and allow the forgiveness of God just to heal those. But what if they don't like me? What if I'm not what they're looking for? What if they don't want to be my friend anymore? What if they just want to wake up one day and divorce me and say, I don't want to be married to you anymore? Come on, the fears of rejection are so real. A lot of people don't throw themselves out there because they're worried that they'll be rejected. And the best way to avoid that is just to not put yourself out there. The fear of, can you turn me down, Fred? I'm really loud. Thank you. What are you afraid? What are you afraid today that people might not like in you? about what you are. Here's the next one, the fear of the unknown. As strange as that may sound today, this is so real too. A lot of people are afraid of things that are not even going to happen, but they may happen. Well, what if this takes place? Have you seen how many shows are on TV now that there's going to be this big big meteoroid that's going to come and it's going to hit New York? New York seems to always be the target of everything. You notice that? It's going to come down. It's going to blow up. Oh, the fear of terrorism every day that we could be blown up here and everything. The fear of... It paralyzes people. I remember during 9-11, just after 9-11, I had to travel to Georgia for like four or five weeks in a row. You should have seen the fear on people's faces when I flew every weekend and people were just terrified. The planes were empty. People were so bound by fear. What if, what if, what if? Come on, that's a big fear that we live in, the fear of the unknown. And it's not just about death, but it's about what if I get sick? What if I have a wreck? What if I lose control of this? What if I lose control of that? Come on, what today are you afraid of knowing? Think about that. Because our fears must be presented with God's truth. I want to give you that scripture again. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God has not given you. God has not given me. Come on, you need to put your name in there. God has not given Andrea a spirit of fear. God has not given Dale. God has not given Barbara. God has not given Trigger. Come on, you've got to see it for yourself because the word of God is not written to everyone. It's written just to you too. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And the truth of fear that every one of us must accept today is our all-knowing, our always perfect, our all-powerful Father does not give us that fear. So if you have fear today, that's not something God has given to you. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if it's not good and it's not perfecting, it's not from God. So why do we choose to hold on to those things that will rob and destroy our lives? How many have heard this saying? Fear is the opposite of faith. How many have heard that? Fear is the opposite of faith. You know what? If we're talking about the results of fear, then that could be true. But when you really think about that, fear is not the opposite of faith because fear requires faith. Listen to me. But notice this. Faith in the wrong things. You weren't quiet on me on that one. Fear is faith. In the wrong things. You can't say I don't have faith because I've got fear. Because you've got to have faith to have fear. But you're placing faith, what? And fear into the wrong things. You're saying, well, God can't take care of me. So I'm placing my faith in my job and in all those kind of things. That's not going to perhaps sustain me. Because fear is faith in the wrong places. Fear doubts God's ability and his willingness to help us. His ableness to keep your life. Come on, fear is placing your faith in what ifs rather than God is. Fear is placing your faith in what ifs rather than God is. Have you ever played that what if game? Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? What about this? And what about that? Have you noticed that the what if game never usually gets better? It usually gets worse. You can start off, well, what if I win the lottery? Well, that would be great. But then what if this person comes and wants money? And then what about this? And what about... Have you noticed when we start getting in the what ifs game, guess what happens? Most of the time, it gets worse and worse. Craig Rochelle says it this way. In his book, Soul Detox, he says, fear or what ifs. Fear, it's allowing your imagination to wander down a long, dark alley of possibilities and get mugged every couple of steps. Isn't that a cool thought? Fear is allowing your imagination to wander down a long, dark alley of possibilities and get mugged. Every couple of steps. Anyone heard of a man called Moses in the Bible? The deliverer of Israel. He delivered them out of Egypt. He was one who was called of God to stand before Pharaoh, who was the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that time. And he demanded in the face of Pharaoh, you need to let the children of Israel go. Let God's children go. But it didn't start like that. Moses is on the backside of the desert. How many knows the desert is bad enough, but to be on the backside of the desert is horrific. So he's in the backside of the desert. He's just minding his own business one day, watching some sheep, and he sees a bush on fire. Nothing new. Bushes were on fire every day in the wilderness. But something caught his attention about this bush, and that was this. It wasn't consumed. It didn't just go, and it was gone. 
It kept burning and kept burning and kept burning. And he was attracted to it and he came and God spoke to him out of the bush. He took his shoes off because it was holy ground. God shared with Moses his plan of redemption. I've heard their cry. I'm going to deliver them. You're the deliverer. Here's how I'm going to do it. And God gave Moses the ABCs of deliverance. And that how God was going to be with him. And God was going to walk with him. You would have thought Moses left there with his chest pumped out saying, yeah, 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 I'm the man doesn't happen like that because you know what Moses began to do? He began to think. He began to think. So in Exodus 3, we see this great visitation of God, how God calls him, how God gives his plan. And then in chapter 4, and in the very first verse, I mean, it could have been the second or the third, but right at the beginning of chapter 4, after Moses has thought about it, as he's gone over the different scenarios in his mind of what's going to happen, which is not normally producing a good outcome, he says these words, Then Moses answered God and said, But suppose they will not believe me. What about if they don't listen to my voice? Suppose they say, you're lying. God never appeared to you. It's just your imagination. You don't know what you're talking about. Come on, have you ever been a part of that game? Come on, have you ever found yourself writing off the things of God, making excuses? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't trust that you really spoke to me? What if, God? What if, God? What if? Now, God showed Moses In a mighty way, he said, what's in your hand? He said, his staff, throw it down, and it turned into a serpent. God gave him signs to prove who he was. Why? Because God can prove who he is. God can prove who he is. But instead of us considering and believing that God knows what he's doing and trusting in him, we immediately roll off the list of what ifs. Just like God doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, what if I lose my job tomorrow? What if I get sick? What if? What if? What if? Have you ever stopped and considered how much time you spend brainstorming about everything that could go wrong? Instead of better using that same energy to ask God for the steps we could take to see that the good God things take place in your life. You know what fear usually reveals in your life? Fear reveals this, where you trust God the least. I want that to sink in for a moment. Because fear can sometimes reveal where you trust God the least. In other words, you're not depending on God to handle it. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you're afraid of your marriage that it's going to end. What if it doesn't work? What if he or she runs away? What if they find someone else who's better than me? Well, first and foremost, make sure that you're the best. Don't give them reason. But what if, what if, what if? Instead of having all these fears and concerns, have you asked God to make you better? Have you asked God to make your marriage better? Have you trusted in him to do that? What about another one in your finances? So many of us are so worried about our finances that we would say, you know what? My faith is not really in God. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
I remember years and years ago in England, my parents were in business. We had about 10,000 pigs that we had. We were pig farmers back then, along with other things. And the market just completely went out. The Danish market came up and they were subsidized by their government and they tried to completely stamp out British pork completely. That farmers all around us were going out of business. They were losing everything. And we were one of the biggest pig farmers in England at that time. And the news media came. And I can still see in my mind my Uncle Trevor standing there in one of those pig houses with the pigs behind him with the TV cameras. And he says, our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says, God is going to preserve us and God is going to sustain us. When everyone else went out of business, our family was able to make it. Why? Because you see, we concern ourselves so much instead of saying, God, would you help us? God, would you direct us? Would you? And you know, one of the things, the first thing that happens when we're worried about our finances is we stop giving to God. Because of fear. Because of fear. What about you with your children? You can worry about your children. What if they don't grow up to love God? What about, why instead of concerning and saying, God, I'm afraid, meaning I'm not really trusting you, why can't you remind yourself that God says, there's a lamb for the house. There's household salvation. My children are going to make it. They're going to be saved. God's going to keep them. God's going to be with them. Can you just begin to see that in our lives? But yet we allow fear to say, well, what if, what if, what if? Come on, we don't know what if, but we know who is. We know who is. And the Bible says that the who is, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 6 verse 27 puts fear, I believe, into a context that we perhaps don't like, but we need to see which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature. Think about that. What can worry, what can fear add to my life? The Bible says it can't add anything But it sure can detract. It sure can subtract. It sure can take away and take away and take away. You and I must face our fears. We've heard that said many times. Just face your fears. So what do you do? How do you face your fears? You just stand right up to them and go, fear, I'm facing you. I mean, how do we really face our fears? What does that really mean? Here's what facing our fears mean, that we present them with God's truth. We present them with God's truth, allowing God to lead our lives and not fears. If God has told you and given you a promise, you keep walking in that and allow God to lead your life and not allow fear to stop you, to hinder you, to cripple your life. Begin to identify those areas in your life. Come on, what is it you're afraid of? Is it your finances? Is it for your future? Is it for your health? Identify those areas that you're afraid of and then what? Begin to surrender them to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. And may I remind you today that surrender is not just giving them over and pretending that they were never there. And that they were never a problem that you have faced. That's not what it means to surrender. But what it means to surrender is allowing God to give you the strength, the wisdom and the courage needed to defeat those things once and for all. Do I hear an amen? Giving them to God. Giving them to God. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is David. 
A great man, the one who had the heart of God inside of him, the anointed shepherd boy, the giant slayer. But it wasn't all on the up in David's life. Why? Because he was anointed, but yet he didn't sit on the throne straight away. And on his process of coming to the throne, Saul wanted to kill him. At first, Saul loved him. Saul took him as one of his sons. He raised him up and everything was going good till Saul one day heard the women sing, Saul has killed his hundreds. David has killed his thousands. All of a sudden a jealousy, an envy, a rage rose up inside of Saul that he sought to kill David. And he didn't only want to kill him himself, he put a death penalty on the head of David. Can you imagine David now? Anointed king, everywhere he goes, he's looking over his shoulder. Everywhere he turns, he's worried. Is this someone who could kill me? Is this a messenger of Saul? Could you imagine living in that kind of fear for your life, for your existence, for your future? That's where David is. And here's what David writes in those times. Psalms 56, verse 1 through 4. Be merciful to me, O God. For man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Can you see the traverse? Can you see the travail? Can you see the agony? Can you see the fear in his life? But notice what he does. Notice where he goes to next. He says what? He says what? Whenever I am afraid. God, I will trust in you. How incredible. In God, he says, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. You know how David overcame his fears? By refocusing his view of the problem. By shifting his fear-fueled thoughts from the temporary to an eternal perspective. To see from God's side of the sky. He began to say, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? The worst thing that could happen to me is they could kill me. But you know what? They can't take away my soul. They can't take my life. They can't take that which is given by God. He knew that when he trusted in God, nothing could hurt him eternally. Come on, life is uncertain, but eternity is not. His worst what if paled in comparison with the goodness and the faithfulness of God over his life. You and I need to remind ourselves of that. If God is for me, and he is, it's not a question. Since God is for me, who can be against me? We've got to remind ourselves. We've got to trust God with our greatest fears. And we've got to follow his way. We've got to trust him and keep believing him. Then we've got to begin to seek him in those circumstances. Look what it says in Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me. You will go to pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me. And you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You see what fear does? It turns us from God. Makes us doubt God. But in those times of fear, we need not only to follow God and realize that He's going to see us through. We need to seek God in those times. 
We need to pray. We need to read his word. We need to be in fellowship. We need to draw strength and encouragement and believe and know that he will deliver us. Come on, it's not in doing, but understanding what he's already done. Did you hear that today? God's not waiting to do something. He's already done it. He's already defeated Satan and every power that can raise its ugly head against your life. Those things that you're afraid of, God's already handled and taken care of. But it's time to seek him. It's time to know him. It's time to receive those things that fear will no longer have dominion over your life. Look what Psalms 34 and 4 says. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from most of my fears. From some of the things that were bothering me. David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. What's the secret there? To seek after God. To believe his word. To trust him. Just to spend some time just to refocus your life and say, hold on a second. You know, if I'm afraid here, that means I'm not really trusting God. God, what does your word say about my life? God, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to seek you in that. And God, as I seek you, God, your word says, I will find you. I will find you. Come on, when you sense those what ifs trying to overtake you, you've got to ask yourself, who made all of this? Start asking yourself, who's in control of my life? Come on, you've got to ask yourself, whose promise has been spoken over my life that I read of in Romans 8 verse 28 and says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, who spoke that promise over my life? You've got to realize that. You and I need to realize today that fear is only robbing us from the truth. That everything that we're afraid of is because Satan knows there's a truth there that he doesn't want us to see. A thief does not break into an empty house. So those areas that you're afraid of, you've got to realize there's a truth there that you've got to find in God. A truth that Satan's robbed you from for long enough. Come on, enough is enough. I'm tired of living what ifs when I can live God is. Come on, instead of living what if, God is. God is able to provide. God is able to meet my every need. God is able to sustain me. God is able to heal me. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? What did God say? I am. The I am, what does that mean? Put it in there. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I am your peace. Notice that God is, that God is able to meet your every need. Don't allow fear to get between you and God. See God between you and them. Come on, don't allow fear to get in between you and God. See God between you and your fears. Begin to see God because when you see God, you won't see your fears anymore. Because His greatness, His magnitude, His awesomeness, His willingness, His ability, the desire He has for your life is greater than any fear, any problem, any circumstance that you could ever face. May I remind you again of 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, 
We know what fear does. It torments us. It's a spirit that wants to torment us. God's not given us a spirit of fear. That's not him. Don't accept it. Don't give in to it. But remind yourself what he has given you. Come on, he's given you power to what? To be an overcomer. He's given you power to rise above those things. What else has he given us? He's given us love. What does 1 John 4 verse 18 says? There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Love, a relationship that we can be with God. That what? That casts out all fear because I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's going to meet. How many times have I said to Kelly, how many times, guys, have you said to your wife, come on, don't worry, we're going to take care of it. But in your mind, you're thinking, my God, how's it going to happen? What? Come on, guys, anyone know what I'm talking about? But you know what? When we say that God can handle it, I'm telling you, when God says, I've got you, buddy, he's not going through in his mind thinking, oh, my God, what did I just say? I can't produce. I can't do that. God's saying it with every confidence. Don't worry. I can handle it. Come on. Don't worry. I haven't given you those things. There's perfect love that will drive out all fear. And last but not least, God says this, I've given you a sound mind. You know what a sound mind does? A sound mind focuses on him and the promises that he has in his life. A sound mind doesn't go here, there and everywhere. A sound mind speaks of controlled thinking, controlling your thoughts, bringing them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Come on, God's given you power, love and a sound mind, not fear, not fear. Look at this last thought that I want to put up on the screen. Know Jesus and you'll know peace. But know Jesus and there's no peace. K-N-O-W Jesus. And you can K-N-O-W peace. But if you've got no Jesus, N-O, then there's going to be N-O peace. I'm telling you today, because you've got Jesus. We used to sing a song in Sunday school that says, With Christ in your vessel. You can smile at the storm. Why? Because he can come out at any moment and say, peace be still. And you know what the storm Satan wants to bring upon your life to bring you down in the midst of those times can be when God reveals himself. What Satan means for harm, God says, I'm going to turn it around for good. Your deliverer can come in the midst of your storm if you'll trust him, if you'll believe him. If you refuse to allow fear to control your life. Come on, if it's not of God, it doesn't belong in my life. If it's not of God, I don't want it. Because all it wants to do is to destroy my life. Come on, follow God. Believe his word. Seek him. Live for him. The Bible says there may be times you have to walk through the fire. There may be some times that you have to go through the water. But you know what it says? You will not be drowned and you will not be burned. Why? Because fear not. There's my alarm clock. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you. Would you stand to your feet with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. 
but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.